if our functions are pure, meaning they don't change anything outside of their scope, then how is it that we can use functions to represent change and to represent behaviors, change over time? Hi, my name is Eric Normand, and these are my thoughts on functional programming. So, let's imagine that we're already pretty good at making pure functions, doing a lot of work in our calculations, we're good at making pipelines, all that kind of in-the-weeds functional programming stuff. Very important, but let's say we're already good at it. Why are we even using functions? What can we do with these functions now that we're good at them? And my answer is that we should be uh, modeling behavior with functions. So let's back up a step. When I was younger, less experienced at programming, and first introduced to uh, Java, um, if, if one of the requirements said that, well, this, this thing needs to be able to change over time, I would probably just have made a, a setter method for that thing and just said, well, this is how you change it. You call this method and it will, it will mutate this value. It'll just set it to something else. Uh, and I think that that is about as much analysis as I ever did with with um, what it means to change. And this often comes up when people... I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm alone in that because I think... I, I hear people all the time asking, like, well, it doesn't... Isn't the world mutable? Don't we need mutable state? Because the world is mutable. How can you model things when things change? So you need changeable things. And I think that that misses, uh, that misses the point. And, and the point is this. If you just say things change, you haven't really captured anything interesting. You haven't said anything specific about how they change. When do they change? Why do they change? Right? So we have this situation where We've got this general, this general memory where a byte can take on anything, any value between 0 and 255 that you, you want to put in there. And you're not constraining it at all based on the semantics, based on your domain, based on what you want, to, want that byte to represent. And so what the what functions can let you do is define how things change. So how do they do that? Well, one way is because functions take an argument and they return a return value. We're talking about pure functions right now. So they have, they have an input and an output. And they don't change their input. So we're, we're just not dealing with any mutation at all, pure functions. So if you make that input the current 
state, the current value of the thing, you can make the output the next value of the thing. So you're defining how it changes very precisely. It goes from this current thing to this new thing. Now you can add another argument and do something like give, make that argument uh, an event. So you say, well, when the state is like this and we get this event, then what is the output? What is the new state, right? Or maybe it's what is the new state and you also return another set of events that get called, that get, they get dispatched, right? So this is, this is the kind of modeling that we're able to do in functional programming is, is take this kind of top-down approach of saying how the entire state changes based on the events we're getting. And you're defining it in such a way that it's totally testable. You don't have to set anything up. You just pass in a current state and an event and you can test properties of the return value, right? You, there's nothing like, oh, I have to make a new mutable thing and, and like fiddle with its methods until it gets to the right state and then test this one new method and then check if it changed, right? So it's much more testable. But then here's this other thing. There's so many, there's so many questions so many ways of thinking that mutation just doesn't really allow us to do or you have to do a lot of work to work around. One of those, I think it's the, it's the best example, is to think about counterfactuals. So let's say we do have a real state, a real current state. This is the state of the system, the state of whatever thing, entity we're representing, whatever it is. And we want to ask, what would this thing look like after I received this event? I haven't received it, but what would it look like if I did? Right? That's a lot like what a test is. It's a counterfactual. It's not actual production data. It's not an actual production event. But we're asking what happens in the system when I do this, and I expect it to look like this. Right? So it's a test. But it's often also very useful uh, in your production system. What would happen if I sent it 10,000 of these events? Would it overflow? Right? Um, one thing I did um, as, a, as an example was I had a state that was the current screen. So it's like all the information you need for the screen, including its the title of that screen, and what, what back button to have on the top. And how did I figure out what label the back button would have? Because it, it didn't just say back, it had the title of the previous screen. Well, I actually ran the function, with the, the, the behavior function, on the, from the current, with the current screen and the, the back button event. And so then I would get back the next screen, which was, you know, the new screen, which is the back screen. I'm not 
it didn't change the actual screen. It's just the state. And then I could read off the title from there. So these are the kinds of things that like become just easy when you're dealing with pure functions. And you've defined your behavior in your functions. Right? You can imagine me doing it a different way, which would be the current screen has a mutable field called title and it has a mutable field called back button label. And I would have to go and set them manually from somewhere else and kind of rely on the sequence of steps that got me there to calculate what each one should be, right? As opposed to representing the entire thing as data and then a behavior function. All right, um, so this is this is thing I'm working on for the book. Um, I've been talking with my editor about not... I, I don't want to reproduce a lot of the work out there. There's a lot of good work, actually, on um, sort of the, the functional programming in the small, the, like, how to, how to do currying, how to make data transformation pipelines, you know, map filter reduce, all those things. Uh, and avoid getting down in the weeds there. But then what is there to talk about? And I think it's this kind of stuff. I've been reading books and, and no one is talking about using, using uh, functions to, to model the behavior, which is something we do. Like, it's not like I'm making it up. But I've, 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 got, I've got a grip on it, you know? Um, and I think it's high level enough to, to, to fit right in the book. All right, my name is Eric Normand. This is Thoughts on Functional Programming. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, I love hearing from my listeners, answering questions. I'm at Eric Normand on Twitter. And you can also reach me over email, eric at lispcast.com. See you later.